0: I tell you what, I've been fired up in this season. Can't wait till we move into this new property because I think we're going to worship the roof off, everybody, all right? If you haven't seen some of the pictures of this new place, it's just, it's just, it's heavenly, the ceilings of this church, and I'm looking forward to worshiping with you. Uh, today, I told you guys last week that I was coming with a big announcement, and uh, I, I need you to know that I've got some announcements, all right? I don't have a, I don't have one mint. I got mints, all right? I got a couple of things for you today, and the first one. I think we ought to be excited about this, but most of you know that we've been giving towards uh, paying for this building and getting all that together. And we had some tremendous matching money. We had some friends of mine come alongside and say, hey, we want to match and we want to give and inspire the church. I want you to know that we have met our matching giving to God, be the glory. Come on. Good job. Good job. I will say to you that your tithes and offerings through the end of the year are important as well, okay? So, so keep on giving, keep being faithful, but I also think that we gotta celebrate along the way the goodness of God. And, and here's the thing, we can move into the property and pay for what we need to pray for right now. To God be the glory, right? We can do it. That's pretty awesome. Second thing, you may not be as excited about it, but one of my dear friends, who who we've tried to get him on the schedule, but because of one year sickness, another year, the pandemic, he wasn't able to come. Pastor Stephen Chandler's coming back November 6th to preach here, and um, he's my... He's my brother from another mother. Can I just tell you, he is hilarious, lots of fun. You need to prepare to hear and be here that weekend. He's also going to be promoting his new book, Stop Waiting for Permission. And so it's going to be a big Sunday. That's November 6th. And then number three, because I had announcements, all right, I got multiples. Number three, uh, we are planning our Paris Avenue Grand Opening for the first week of December. Yeah. <laughs> the worship team the worship team's excited about that so, uh, if you're planning vacations, you need to kind of plan around. It's going to be an incredible time. We are going to be adding services as we move in. So need to kind of stay abreast of what's happening there. We're going to move some tons, going to add some opportunities. And on grand opening weekend, you're going to have to let us know you're coming and what time you're coming so that we can, we can serve our church because we, we're not waiting for the building to grow. We've been growing all along, praise God, right? And so what an exciting time to be in church today. Today we're starting a series in honor of what's happening, and we simply titled the series Moving Season. Some of y'all wonder what these letters down here are about. Okay, that's, that's how the young folks spell moving season. <laughs> Just thought it helped some of you older folks know what was going on, right? But we're starting a series today because, deep thoughts with Josh, because it's moving season. And God has opened up a tremendous door for us to make a difference in our city. But moving season isn't about getting into a building. It's about going to the next spiritual place that God has for us. One of the key components of our vision as a church is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And how we do that is by inspiring you to take next steps in your faith that it's not a once and done, like you don't just pray one prayer and God's finished with you. No, no, no. All of your Christian faith is about moving in the direction of what God has for you and growing and getting better. So the building is just the next step in our spiritual journey. It's not the end It really is a new beginning. Amen, everybody? It's our opportunity to keep doing what God has for us. And I would say to you that, that God in his incredible ability has the power to touch you right here, the same that he can touch you there. But there's something about an expectation of faith that God is able to do even greater things because we reach out and go after them See, God has always been moving. Do you know that? That he's never stopped. He, he, he's never like, oh, I'm finished. No, no, no. He's always been moving. And to show you this, I want to take you to the second verse of your Bible, the very second verse. So Genesis chapter 1, it's the very first book. So if you're new to the Bible, this is not hard to find, right? You just get through the beginning pages where they, they tell you where they all are. Genesis is the first book, the first chapter the first verse says, in the beginning, God. Blow your mind right there. You could spend an entire day just on those few words. In the beginning, God. Deep thoughts. Here's what verse 2 says. It says, the earth was formless and void. Would you say that within? The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surf- surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was, say it with me, the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So at the very beginning, God walked out into a world that was without form. It was formless and it was empty. And God's first decision said, I got to start moving here. I've got to start doing some things. And so from the very beginning until now, God has never stopped moving. He is moving. And what is he doing? He is finding formless areas and giving them form. And he's finding void and empty areas and giving them fullness. So many people I meet today, they just I don't know what to do with my life. I don't, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. In the beginning, God looked at your formless life and said, I'm going to give form to that. I'm going to give order to that. And he looked at the void and the emptiness that we carry in our lives and said, no, 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 no. I've got fullness for you. This is what he began to do in the beginning. And here we are. uh, Some say 6,000 plus years. Some say longer. Since God began to do that work, he's still doing those things. God has always been moving. He's amazing at what he does. But I want you to know because he's always been moving and because we have this amazing Bible, we can look back through history and we've been able to discover the blueprint of how God moves. Do you know that there is a protocol to God's presence That there is a right way to approach God that actually attracts God to do greater things for you. There is a blueprint in scripture on how to live your life and how we as a people are supposed to live our lives. And the closer we are to the blueprint, the better our lives are. And the further we are from the blueprint, we're formless and void. The closer we find order and fulfillment in our lives. And so what I thought today is that I would I would come and help you, for some of you this might be new, I'd help you to discover the blueprint of what God has been doing throughout history. They're going to throw up on screen, four words, write them down with me real quick. The blueprint is that God has always begun everything with a relationship. He has never wanted to start a religion. He's always wanted a relationship with you. And since the beginning of time, he said, okay, I want to show you Adam and Eve, put you in a beautiful garden. The Bible says that God walked in the cool of the morning with them. You only walk with people you know and you like. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going for a long walk with somebody I don't like. Amen, everybody? I'm running from that person. God built everything in the beginning with a relationship, and then he intended that relationship to grow into a family. And then that family would become, in scripture, what we would call a nation. A nation is just a group of people that have organized around the blueprint that God has. Now, some nations are closer to the blueprint. Some nations are further from the blueprint, but God always intended for his people to start personal and then to grow into a family. And then they would organize and be be focused on what they should do as a nation. And then lastly, After you become a nation, you become a movement of people that does great things for God. See, God never intended in the Old Testament of your Bible for what he was going to do to end with the nation of Israel. Everything in their nation had clear protocols to reach and touch the world. They had provisions for foreigners. They had provisions for how they were supposed to interact with the world. They were supposed to get to the place where you can't stop this. Now, today, you may say, well, pastor, that seems kind of vague. Let me, let me show you. Can I go a little bit deeper? The Bible begins with a one family. We call him Father Abraham. Anybody remember the song? Come on. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had fathers. Some of y'all, Baptists, knew what I was talking about. Some of you who grew up Catholic just thought, man, that's weird, right? <laughs> I did too, okay? I didn't grow up that way. But Abraham is a forefather of our faith, of which the Jewish nation began. And Abraham, like every father, when he, when he married his wife Sarai at the time, he wanted to have children, but they were unable to have children. They had a desire to build family. Why? Because God put that inside of us. God put that inside of you as a way to build form and meaning to your life. And so they, they got together and God blessed them. They had a beautiful son named Isaac. And then Isaac went a little further than the daddy. Now Abraham had one, Isaac had 12, you know, like that's a, that's a lot. No, he didn't. He had one. Get my history right. Thank y'all. My theologians up here shook their head at me. It's Jacob who had 12. Y'all follow me? Get my, let me get my lineages correct in church for y'all. The reality is, is that Abraham had a son, and Isaac had a son, and then Jacob had 12. And they began to be a great nation, the nation of Israel. And then Israel grew into a movement that they called Judaism. Today, I want you to know that Judaism was the foundation of Christianity because Jesus was a Jew. He grew up a Hebrew boy, but God never intended for Judaism to be separate from Christianity. He always intended us to keep growing with what he was doing because he's always moving. But unfortunately, the Jewish people did not want to recognize Jesus. And so they pl- split from there. So you got a whole group of people who are waiting on the Messiah. And then you got a whole group of people who say, we found the Messiah. And some of y'all give you a little brief history, but it's important that you go there. Abraham, Isaac became a family, they became a nation, then they became a movement. But unfortunately, the movement turned sideways because they strayed from the blueprint. They got further and further away from what God wanted. So after 400 years of silence in your Bible, 400 years where God did not speak, he sent Jesus. And the Bible says that Abraham was the friend of God, but Jesus was the son of God. Do you see the difference in the relationship Uh, Jesus came to say "I, I need you to look at the the closeness of what I really want and stop looking at this as though That I just wanted to be your friend. No, no, no I'm adopting you into the family. You're my sons and my daughters. You get inheritance now Anybody excited about inheritance, right? Oh, I like that idea. Come on mom and dad I like the idea of inheritance The bible says that godly men and women leave a blessing for their children's children So Jesus shows up and says, I I need y'all mixing up the relationship because you just think God wants to be your friend. No, 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 he's adopting you into his family. It's personal, right? And then Jesus says, and I need you to see that you are all sons and daughters of God. The Bible says that he's the firstborn among many brethren. Love this. And then he kind of went crazy, Jesus did. And he started gathering a family of disciples. Do you remember the first couple of them? Peter, James, and John, his crazy three. I call it his wrestling team because Jesus nicknamed them the Rock and the Sons of Thunder, right? He had a wrestling. Jesus begins to expand his family from three, then there were 12 disciples. Then the Bible says that there were 72 and 120 came to the upper room, and then the church began to explode into a movement that God wanted it to be. Y'all seeing this? There's a relationship. There's a family. We organize around principles, a nation, and then we begin to move and be all that God intended us to be. This is the blueprint of what God wants for us as Christians. And my goal today in part one of moving season is to help you to get a movement mindset, to help you to set your mind to be ready for all that God is going to do. Because if you're not ready, you might miss the past. When we were kids, I'm one of six, we used to play lots of sports together and, and, and some of my siblings were really good at catching, some of them were terrible. Can I just tell you, if you are not ready to catch the softball, when it is, y'all you know what a softball is, right? We used to play this thing called cabbage ball, where uh, the cabbage ball is about the same size as a softball, it's just softer, you don't need gloves, but it's heavy. My dad hit what was gonna be a home run and my sister came running. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And her hands never came together and she got it right in the face. (laughs) She was moving. She just wasn't moving in the right direction. Listen, this is what happens when you aren't ready or you don't realize what God wants to do. You're, you're going to miss the movement. Your mindset is going to be stuck, as Morgan said, in the old closet rather than the new closets. And today my job is to help you to get a movement mindset. My job is to help you to, to get acclimated because moving is not about a building. This is about going on a spiritual journey with God. And so take some notes with me. Can I break it down for you even more? Because of this blueprint, number one, we have access to a personal relationship with God. We have an opportunity to go beyond religion and actually have a one-to-one relationship. There are no grandchildren. There are no religious things in God's ideal. He wants to know you. He wants to care about you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He was there when you were born into the world. But so many of us, we've fallen into this check the box thing where we're hanging out because the movement looks cool, but I'm a little like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do here. And the thing you're supposed to do here is go beyond sitting in a pew. Who wants to watch the game of life be played sitting on the bench? God is calling you into a personal relationship with him. Listen to Jesus, how he described the days will stand before God. Matthew chapter 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not attend One Hope Church and prophesy in your name? Did we not go to a small group and see demons driven out in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, would you read it with me? I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, Jesus comes along and says, all of you who think you're checking the box, making sure you got the right attendance, making sure you look just right for everybody else, but you haven't really made this personal. Jesus said, I need you to go beyond friend of God and become sons and daughters like I am. Because we've recognized the blueprint every single Sunday since the inception of One Hope Church, regardless of what I'm talking about up here, every Sunday, I say every head bowed and every eye closed. And today, if you're far from God for any reason, this is your moment to get close to God. Why? Because the blueprint tells us that everything God wants to do begins there. Second part of the blueprint. You're taking some notes. Write this one down. Because we have a personal relationship with God, we now belong to a church family. You didn't just get adopted into a one-on-one connection. You got, you got adopted into this crazy group of people, y'all. Come on, look to the left. You see somebody look strange? Come on, you look to, look to the right. See somebody looks a little weird, right? You know, the Bible says that God made every third person a little weird. And if on the left they look good and on the right they look good, you could be the one, Right? God invited you into his family, and you can belong. This is so important because for many of us, again, we're just trying to survive this life rather than thrive the way that God intended us to thrive, and you can only thrive in a family. God, the first institution before there was ever a government, God created a family. This is his blueprint. Hey, Adam. Hey, Eve. Family. Hey, Abraham. Family. Hey, Jesus family. God has always been building a family and you will not fulfill the dreams you have for your life alone. You need the family. You need, you need somebody running interference on the front side. You, you need a good wingman on the side. Come on, fellas, right? You need, you need someone who is there to serve with you and to help you. Jesus describes what he's building this way in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. The word church here is not a building. He says, I will build my people. I will build my family because I'm moving. This is what he's doing. And then I love this next part. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This week, one of my dear friends, a pastor, pastor of a great church called Substance Church, he was sharing about how his 16-year-old was diagnosed with epilepsy just six months ago and how that they're having to protect his life while they're figuring out what to do with medication. And can I tell you, when he told it to me, it just, it messed with me, it rocked me, it, it made me angry, it made me sad. And, and in the moment, I leaned into it across the table and I said, we're with you. We're fighting for you. Matter of fact, down in New Orleans, we're launching a counter-offensive against the enemy because we're not going to let him attack your family without taking something from him. And we begin to pray and we pray together. This morning we were texting. I said, I want you to know, Peter, we're with you. We're standing with you. Why? Why? Because we're in a family and family fights for one another family stands up for one another. Can I tell you one of my values? If somebody walks up to me and says, you know, Jackie, Jackie was saying some, some things Jackie should not be saying. You know what? I know Jackie so well that I say, oh, it can't, couldn't be. I stand for her. And then I walk back and say, hey, what's going on in this situation? I back her. Why? Because she's in the family. Now some of y'all just got more scared to talk to Jackie, didn't you? <laughs> but I do it for you too. Somebody says, oh, they're, they're this. No, 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 no. We're in a family. We, we back each other up and we fight. In a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about what a counter offensive looks like, how you fight and take ground from the enemy, how that when he strikes you, you've got to strike back. It's coming in a few weeks. But I want to say to you today that it's time for you to Belong. There are benefits that come with membership in this family. That people are with you in the, in the hard times and they're with you in the good times. They fight for you. We have a personal relationship with God. We belong to a church family. Number three, we organize around leadership and vision. This is what God intended. We organize now around great leadership and vision. I need you to understand that the vision we have for One Hope Church wasn't my good idea that that vision has come from the blueprint of God's word. This is what God has always been doing. You say, well, pastor, I can't believe we're growing like we're growing in this city. Listen, it's not because of me. It's probably in spite of me. It's because we've just said, God, if you do it, that's what we're going to do. God, if you said it, that's what we're going to believe. I'm so simple y'all that I just say, God, if you said it, that's what I'm going to do. I always say it like this around here. Where the Bible's clear, that's what we believe. Where the Bible's unclear, we look for principles. If there are no principles, it's okay with me if you want to be wrong, okay? Like, that's, a, that's just, that's a joke. I'm just kidding, but it's not. We have to organize around a clear vision and clear leadership. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, therefore go, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus gave them marching orders. Here's the vision. Here's what we do. If you go to next steps, step one, we make sure that you're a part of the family. And we teach you about our leadership and vision. Why? Because how... Can you be a part of a movement if you don't know where we're moving? How can I say, come with me? You're going to say, where are we going? And a great bus driver tells you where the bus is going, right? Drives the bus and tells you where your seat on the bus is. This is what we're doing right now. We're following the blueprint that God has for our lives. I often get asked this, though, concerning our church. Well, pastor, are we, are we a part of a denomination, or are we independent? Can I just tell you we're neither. We're a part of an incredible family that has great leadership and great organization, where I have oversight and we have oversight. No one in One Hope Church is the kingpin. No one owns this. This is us. This is ours. This is our church. Amen, everybody? This was probably one of the worst ideas I ever had. But when I was in ministry college, I thought, you know, one day if I get to plant a church, I'm going to name it your church so that everybody I meet, I could invite them to your church. Hey, where do you go? Well, I I go to your church. (laughs) That's such a bad idea. (laughs) Thank you all for laughing. I appreciate it. Aren't you glad that they got that out of me in ministry college, right? There's got to be some sort of organization. Lastly, according to the movement, so we have a personal relationship. We belong to a church family. Number three, we organize organize around leadership and vision. Number four, we start living for something larger than ourselves. Can I tell you, this is where living is. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't even know about the life that is truly life. And then if you don't have family and friends that are running in the direction with you saying, come on, you can do it. I'm with you. And then if you haven't gotten smart about your leadership and your vision about where you're going, then you're you're still living for you. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter eight. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Jesus said, if you stop making it about you and start making it about me and what I'm doing, where we're going, then I'll take care of you. You begin to live for something larger than yourself. You're starting to live in a movement mindset. You begin to say, no, no, I'm in this. I'm doing this. This is my church. It's not yours. It's mine. It's ours. We're doing this together. And you begin to grow differently. So I look back in my early years of ministry. My father and mother planted a church when I was about 10 years old in St. Charles Parish, just up the river. And, uh, you know, growing up in a small church like that, I always felt like everybody had their binoculars out, looking, looking, looking. They were always looking to see if I was living right. And today, I just want y'all to know that, that my kids still need Jesus. Amen, everybody? And so if you're looking for perfection, you're looking in the wrong, wrong place. But I felt like I was living in the fishbowl, and so I had all sorts of frustrations with church and God and following God. I had all sorts of aggravations with all the people who thought I needed to know all the scripture my daddy knew. Still don't think I know all the scripture my daddy knows. He likes that King James version, y'all. But about 20 years old, I had a moment with God where I began to live for something larger than myself. And as most of you know, my dad had been telling me, my mom had been telling me my whole life that God's called you to do this. You called for the ministry. You're, you're gonna be a preacher. And I was like, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not doing that. You know, like that's for somebody else. And at 20, I surrendered to the calling of God in my life. And for whatever reason, I realized that I, I needed to, to help those that were following me. So I was like, we, we never had a youth pastor. We were always looking for youth leaders. And I said, hey, hey, can I, can I start serving? I'm 20 years old. I'm going out, all up for God. Just started ministry college. Hey, can we start a youth group? We had eight teenagers. How many of you know that eight, eight people is not a church service? It's a small group, right? But we started putting things together. We started doing church together. We decided that we were going to create our own band, youth band. I played a little guitar, I sang. They won't let me do that up here, but I used to. It's when I met Shalina, who's our worship leader here. It's where I met Matt. He was 14, Matt was playing the drums today. We started our own little band. We grew real fast. We went from eight kids to 12. Hey, when you talk talking percentages, that's real good. Four of us were in the band. Eight of us were out there. It was awkward. But you know what? We were passionate as that first song we sang today. We sang about being passionate for God and pouring it out and Man, we were, we were getting after it. We were worshiping God. And I think somehow in our little neighborhood, it got out, we started inviting that we had a band, a live band. I don't know if that would attract anybody anymore. But one Wednesday night, 12 of us were in there. Come on, we were, we were breaking it down. We were worshiping God. We were doing what we were doing. It was weird. It was awkward. It was new. We were going out. We were just being, it was raw. And all of a sudden the doors opened and another 12 children, they walk in and they stand against the back wall. So imagine that if as many people or you are in here came in and just stood along the back wall, wouldn't that be strange? And in the middle of worship, I just was like, they don't know what's going on. How did I know that? It wasn't prophetic. Their eyes were like. And so at 21 years of age, we stopped worship like we do every service now and said, Hey, we're gonna invite you to sing along and to clap along. Come come on up here, grab a seat close, it's better near the front. Some of y'all need to hear that today. Some of you back row Baptists, you grew up like the back row was safer. It's not. The good stuff happens right here. And I invited him in and I just said, Hey, this is why we're clapping, this is why we're singing, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And now, tw- almost twenty-five years later, you know what we're doing still? we're normalizing the blueprint of God's plan. We're just every Sunday taking a few minutes to say, this is not crazy. This is, this is in the blueprint. So much better when you do it this way. And our little youth group grew to 60 then to 100 kids. And we became a movement in our little town. You fast forward a number of years, Amber and I joined a a new startup in Birmingham, Alabama. they were just three years old, and we thought it was crazy successful because there were a few thousand people going. And then God did a miracle there. Somehow what happened there became a movement. It went beyond a personal relationship and a family. We organized in such a way that we became a movement, and we became the fastest and largest church in America for almost 10 years, fastest growing and largest. I have seen the movement of God and I know what God is willing to do. And then God called us here to start some personal relationships, to build some families, to, to, to build leadership and organization, to build around this idea so that we could be a movement because this city needs Jesus, y'all. Listen, we know how to party. We just need to know how to party in the right direction. Amen, everybody? We know how to connect with people. We just need to connect with God. And we are building today. We're building a movement for the sake of the good news. And today, I just want to help you to keep moving. Say, well, pastor, I'm so new to this. This is my first day. Hey, welcome to the movement. Welcome to what God is doing here. There's a place for you. God will personally love and forgive you. We invite you to be a part of the family and to discover where God has you. When we start living and moving according to his blueprint, Isaiah 43 begins to make sense. Here's what it says. It says, do not call to mind the formless things. Don't call to mind the former things that didn't work or ponder things of the past. Come on, say it with me. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He comes up, Isaiah says, I need to remind you that you've got to let go of some of the former things and set your mind on what God wants to do now. Because if you keep looking back, you're never going to run into your purpose. The only way that you're going to run into your purpose is that you follow the blueprint that God has for your life, that you go after it with everything that you have. And so today, as we prepare to close up this message based upon Isaiah 43, I want to give you four things to do. I want to help you to start living with a movement mindset, because this is God's blueprint for your life. The first thing you need to do, number one, if you're going to join the movement, is you've got to reject unbelief. You have to reject this idea that it's not going to happen this time. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I tried that. I, I prayed that prayer. Can I just challenge you to give God as good a shot as you gave sin? Can I say that again before it gets quiet like a Methodist church in here, right? Some of you gave sin a real good shot. You gave years of your life. You gave some very undignified moments came out of those decisions. And yet for God, you're afraid to put your hands together. Can I challenge you today that it's time to reject unbelief and go after God with more passion than you ever went for anything else in this life. Listen, you get out of it what you put into it. And if you're gonna give God half mass praise, come on, those hands only go here. Come on, what happens when you go here, right? I don't know, maybe God does more for you. We have to reject uh, that we tried it and it didn't work. We have to reject that we tried and got hurt so I won't try again. We have to reject the status quo of church in our city. Amen, everybody? We have to reject living in our past glory days. My youth group was amazing. It was fun. What we did in Birmingham was awesome. It was fun. But what God is doing here is the best thing I've ever done with my life. And our best days are still ahead. We have not peaked. We have to reject the idea that the glory days were the best days. I was thinking, as I was the, rehearsing the story of, of, of my dad's church, my, my, my dad mom's church was called the Bread of Life. The Bread of Life. And when our youth group started kind of growing real fast, everybody was trying to find like a name, like you got to name it, got to name it. And all the kids, they started calling it The Loaf. <laughs> You never know what's going to grab and hold on. We were the loaf of life right there for years. When you leave today, unbelief going to try to attach itself to your life. And you're going to say, yeah, I think he believes that. Maybe it works for him. But it hasn't worked for me. And today I want to say this very, very clearly to you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he began moving, he hasn't stopped moving. He's just looking for you to put your sail up and move with him. Haggai 2.9 says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former. That means what he's going to do in the future is going to be better than your past. He says, and in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. It's time. It's time for us to clean out the unbelief. And we need to hold on to the things that need to stay. And we need to let some things go. You can't move in unbelief. You've got to move in faith. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 17, because of the littleness of your faith, you haven't seen great things. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. If God is willing to do it then, he's willing to do it now. I just want to know, is there anybody in here that's got a mustard seed of faith? Do you just have a little bit that you'll say, God, I'm going on this journey with you. I'm willing to follow you. The first thing we need to do is we need to reject former things. Let go of the unbelief. Number two, come on, write it down with me. We need to recognize the blueprint and start running with it. I hope I've done a good job at least seeding your faith, that it's time to to recognize the blueprint that we're built on, and it's time for you to start running with it. Listen, it bothers me so much. I meet people every week, every month, I said, pastor, I don't don't know why I exist. What on earth am I here for? I'm trying to find my purpose. Today, I just need you to hear this. The blueprint's right there. The purpose is clear. God wants to know you. He wants to put you in a family to help you. He wants you to, to learn how to bring form to your formless life. So that you can find fulfillment. The purpose is all around you, but if you're, if you're always going to watch the purpose, you're never going to have the purpose. You got to start moving. You got to, you got to get in to the race that God has for you. You can't build what you can't see. So the question is, will you be aware of it? I like to say it this way to our team. You're either going to run with it or it's going to run away from you. You're either going to run with it or you're going to get run over by it because God is moving. Matthew chapter 11 and 12, here's what he says. He says, From the time of John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God is growing. Matter of fact, in the places that it's the hardest, the kingdom of God is growing the fastest. You want to see a revival? The revival is the movement of God's people going into the world and bringing God to the world around us, bringing form to the formless, bringing fullness to the emptiness. You're hearing this today. We got to recognize it. Matthew chapter 16 and 19. He says, I will give you the keys to my Ferrari. That's not what he said. he said. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God has entrusted us with something. The life you're trying to preserve will only be preserved with you moving towards God's purpose for your life. And the fulfillment you want will only come if you start moving with God. Reject unbelief today. Recognize the blueprint and run with it. Number three, Remember why we're sacrificing. Today, I want to honor your giving, your serving, your caring, because nothing great ever happened without self-sacrifice and suffering. Nothing great ever happened without someone saying, I'll pay the price. Where my mama's at? Come on, mamas. Come on, you, you, you carried that child for months, nine months, right? And then that birthing day was a beautiful day, but it was a sacrificial day. It was a hard day, but it was all worth it, right? When you held that beautiful child in your hands. Why? Why? Because God puts things inside of us, movements that we've got to bring forth into the world. And today, when you're having a hard time, you got to remember why. you got to remember Why? We're not doing this for ourselves. We're living for something bigger than ourselves. Luke chapter 9. Sometimes when I'm putting messages together, y'all, can I be honest? I get real ambitious about how many verses I can read. Y'all go read Luke chapter 9 later. It's in the notes online. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, when I called you to be a part of the movement, and then you said, hey, I got to go do this he said, then don't follow me. And he said, if you've gotten distracted too much, you got to remember that what I've called you to do is going to cost you something. But when you live for something larger than yourself, you get to see what the Lord has for us. You get to see it. You didn't give to a building. You're building a movement. And our our nation needs this kind of movement. Number four, as we close, I want you to rest and repeat. Would you say that with me? Come on, say, rest and repeat. Say it again. Come on, rest and repeat. One more time, rest and repeat. I want you to reject unbelief every day. I want you to recognize the blueprint, run with it. And the moments where it gets a little hairy, you say, I know why I'm sacrificing because this is bigger than me. And then I want you to take a rest day and then wake up and do it again. I want you to rest. Some of you are like, you feel so bad. Like take a Sunday. Listen, it is okay. Go on a vacation. You need a vacation? Anybody want to go on vacation? I love that, right? You need a vacation? Go on one. Go rest. But don't think that you're going to be fulfilled sitting on your rear end for life. Now, hearing this today. Rest and wake up. You sleep better when you ran the play that God has for us. as we close. Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say there wasn't a yoke or a burden. He said his way makes it lighter. He said if you do it according to his blueprint it gets easier. So my closing verse Luke 249 Jesus said to them, "Why do you seek me? Would you read it with me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business?" Today as we begin moving season I want you to get your mindset right. It's not about a building. A building is an incredible place for God to do incredible things. But we need God, amen? Would you bow with me in prayer as we close? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never began a personal relationship with Jesus, say, Pastor, the movement sounds exciting. Step one, you got to get personal with him. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. But if that's you, would you whisper this prayer? Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.